Finds Depay. Memphis Depay. Goes for gold. Done just that, he scored! Juninho's done it! Oh, the stadium has erupted here. The relief is palpable all around. There's Nabil Fick here. Shoots and scores! Well, there's a finish in a half from Nabil Fick here to double the Leon lead two minutes before half time. And Manchester City in real trouble on the opening night of the Champions League. Oh, it's in again! It's Dembele again! And he's come off the bench to score twice! to the Football English Podcast. I'm your host, Liam. As usual, I'm joined by Tom. Tom, how are things with you? Better. We've won. Things have changed. Yeah. <laughs> We're positive this yeah. week. Well, somewhat. We'll be back. somewhat positive. Yeah, we'll be possibly not so positive in the second half of the episode. We we'll rarely are. Our third episode, our third yeah. sections are rarely very interesting. It should be the negativity hour rather than the Football English Podcast. And a different sound the podcast this week. Jonathan Carr, unfortunately, with us. But we've got a brilliant guest, as always. Nicholas, as a dependable recruit, is stepping in for him. How are things with you, Nicholas? Fine. Yeah, much better than last time I was on the podcast. Thank you yeah, for things me. have improved slightly. Whether it's progression or not, we'll discuss in this episode. Obviously, that improvement in our responses to the opening questions of the episode... Yeah. Is three points against Trois, uh, 3-1 victory, all of the front three, if you want to call them that, possibly more with Shirkin behind Barcola and Lacazette, but even still, three points. Um, much more improved performance, right, Tom? Yeah, for sure. I mean, there's there's attacking output, there's, there's motivation to go forward. Um, it feels like the players actually want to play together. Um Again, does that does that link back to maybe um, you know quote unquote negative players being out of the door? You know, you think the likes of of the bad impact that Toko Kambi's already had on Ren, uh, or the somewhat I, I didn't see the full game, but it seems like Fevre had a decent performance to start with with Lorient, and then it went south. Um, so. With those two out of the window and and Jeff as well out of out of the club, maybe there's a more positive uh, outlay at training. Um, obviously, I've re- talked about on this podcast several times about how Lekip have continuously reported about you know players being depressed or fighting at training. So maybe getting some characters who don't want to be at the club out of the the picture might help. Um, but all in all, I mean, it was definitely a more positive uh, performance. You know, you see the likes of Shirky, Lacazette, and Barcola on the score sheet. It's obviously a really positive day for the academy, um, and and great goals as well. Um, seemed like it wasn't perfect. Obviously, the, the goal conceded um, 
is always a seems like a usual uh, <laughs> the usual OL goal. Uh, but you know, at least we we showed some character and and got back in front and Barcola goes first big on goal. So I mean, what can you say? Uh, even if you are going to not keep clean sheets, at least we're winning. So uh, we can't really complain, uh, especially these days. Yeah, it seems to have been a regular occurrence in the last few weeks that players keep on scoring the league on go- first league on goals, which is positive, I guess, on our front. You're looking at Le Penel, Kakare, lack of goals from midfield, and obviously Barcola coming into a more senior role and scoring his first senior goal. Uh, what have you um, reckoned to Barcola and Nicholas since he came into the first team and took on a more regular starting berth in the first 11? Yeah, he's another player that um, the own fans were, were right about, I guess. Um, you know, watching him play, um, it just sort of confirms um, the, the substitutions that he had before. Um, you know, maybe you could chalk up those, those early performances, th- those good performances, due to the fact that he was fresher than the other players, um, but now he's keeping it up for, for almost nine minutes every game, um, because um, Blanc likes to take him out um, early. Um, and you sort of wonder why he wasn't playing more. Um, he's not the most technical player in the team. Um, we've seen him several times um, squandering some, some counter-attacks, um, which, which is slightly problematic, but at the same time, you know, he, he's young, he's still learning. Uh, but even considering those those kind of actions, his output is still so so much better than Paco Ecampos. Um and I think it sort of really really shows um, just how blank, uh, just how wrong blank was to to sort of depend entirely on on the the training sessions instead of of what we were seeing during games because all the signs were there and now Barcola is, is confirming them. For sure, Barcola is one of many players that probably since the exit of players like Toko Akambi for some of the possible negative influences that Tom mentioned and has been reported widely by multiple sources in France um, that has taken that by the scruff of the neck and run forward with it. And Blanc seems to be more willing to rely on the younger players that are within the group to actually make an impact and change games, which in this game you couldn't ask for more of, obviously. The other young player, Shirky Tom. Uh, Jonathan's not here this week, so we can't have him fantasise about Shirky. But what did you think to Shirky's goal? It's nice, possibly poor defending off to our side, but to be able to come in and finish in that regard, it was nice to see him take that clinical element of his game and take his chance after he was criticised on the podcast last week for possibly lacking that side of his game. Well, it's, it's, it's a shame we don't have Jonathan, actually, because we might have had... It'd be interesting to see maybe a more balanced... Not balanced view, but more overall, because I don't think it was his best game. I think we can all agree on that, that his goal sort of saved his game. Uh, I'm thinking to the chance he had when he tried going around the goalkeeper and it was not a failure, for example. Um, but it's a well-taken goal. Obviously, as you said, it's badly defended, but you know, being able to switch between his feet is something he does very well. But being just like... It's a sort of a mix of a toe poke and an outside-of-the-boot shot. Um, not something we see that often these days, and especially not from someone who seems to want perfection in everything he does. Um, I'm not saying he's the hardest worker ever, but like there's an element of him wanting the clearest of chances possible to be able to shoot. And this time he was like, no, I don't want that opening. I just I, I just want to score. 
Right. And so he, he took his opportunity and, and scored. So he's obviously still the main main element in attack and obviously Glackazette's still well working well with him. Um so obviously all the balls go through him and, and the opportunities mostly come from Shirky, but it seemed like he offlaid that role a bit more to Lacazette and um took maybe less initiative and was less present in the game, and that's what we sort of enjoy about him, even if there's a lack of end product. This time he focused on end product, and we can't fault him for that. So he got it a goal. Um, not his best performance, but if he starts scoring a bit more, then we can't really have a go at him. I I mean, I don't know about you guys, but I think I'd rather have a Shirky who's not making less players, but scoring more. Let's be honest. I think it's the, the simple way of putting it. Although we can obviously combine both you know if you're gonna not make the goalkeeper and go around him fine you know do you do you but um i'd rather him get a a good assist or a goal as well yeah i think the output side of well goals win football matches so to answer your question yes goals please obviously he's not obviously when he came into the team he scored those goals against Knowles in the cup and everybody got really excited um, making such an impact, such an impression really early on. The goals have dried up since then, but that's two win four now, I think. So if he can keep that up, one in every two games, it'd be brilliant. Uh, but again, it's a case of we're all right trying to score more goals, but possibly protecting at the back. The defending for Ronnie Lopez's goal wasn't great at all. It's very standoffish. He's got far too much space for that ball to be played inside to him. Uh, that might be to do, due to the partnership at the back. Obviously, Luke Cabe has just come back from injury, featured on the bench in the last two games. What have you reckoned to the Sonali Diamonde and Lovren partnership, Nicholas? And will you be glad to see Luke Cabe to come back into the fold and start him regularly? Yeah, um, I'm positively impressed with Diamonde in that um, he has he has some some trouble, especially with balls um, behind his back, but he's been um, Especially against Sua, we saw him recover um, from from chances like those um, a few times. Um, with compared to Antalya Fico, you know, we have players who can sort of navigate those those tricky situations. Um, but I think that overall, you know, if Lukeba had to be out for for some time, um, Diomande can can fill in that role very very well. Uh, in fact, um, and you know, I sort of remember. Um, one of my gripes with with Peter Bosch, which is meritocracy. I know that Rikaba is mainly not playing because um, of his recent injury, and I know that Blanc said that Rikaba will be starting um, games very soon. I wouldn't be surprised if he starts against um, Lille. Uh, but at least now we know that we have a very reliable option on the bench because before um, we, you know, if we had to make substitutions, it would have to be Boateng who couldn't play. For 90 minutes, it would be the Silva, who was, you know, guaranteed to make one mistake every every single appearance, or even every 90 minutes. Um, but with Diamande, it is like some like finally we have someone who is who is very reliable, and I think it, it it's nuts that that we wanted to to sell him at the beginning of of the season, especially to arrive in like like Ren. Yeah, it's a, it's a difficult dimension, I think, for Diamonde, as you mentioned in the past, with Bosch, he's had difficulties there again against um, Garcia as well. Obviously, you have the Beckenbauer comments as well. It's not 
it's not been the easiest transition from him, obviously coming from an academy in his home country to coming into Lyon and, you know, getting a starting berth, the move to Ren, collapsing on deadline day, etc. But this run of games will be good for him. And again, someone like Lovren, I was on a podcast this week talking about Lyon moving forward. And I think the way that Lille are Coupe de France opponents work with Botman, obviously Botman's not there anymore now, it's Mortiago Jello, but that Botman and Font helped each other in that sort of big brother-little brother-brother relationship. Um, Lovering could do that alongside Diamonde and Luke Haber and teach them where to be in the right positions of the game in the right moments, etc. So having someone experienced and two more possibly athletic and um, distribution-focused centre-backs India Monday and Luke Haber is definitely positive. In terms of the substitutions, which we were critical of last week, um, we kind of came to the conclusion, Tom, that he's got what he's given in terms of the fact that Dembele and Awa are being relied upon because we've no one else. Um, Awa came off the bench and got an assist, obviously, for Lacazette's brilliant goal. Um, if you can continue with cameos like that, are you happy with that, you know, moving forwards in terms of being a decisive player from the bench yeah i mean the the videos or the, I, more the pictures of of um our and lacazette and, and toliso have been all around twitter and everyone's saying oh this is obviously everyone sort of turned on um our recently and have decided that he's not fit to be at the club and i think it's not a question of, of him being fit for the club or anything it's more a question of him not necessarily coming into the plans of a Blanc or the club and maybe wanting a fresh new start. But realistically, he's still um, he's still a fantastic player. I mean, he has been at least um, in the past. So um, if he's making regular appearances, I think there's less of an issue with him than there is with Dembele, for example, if we play home games. Um, so at least he won't get booed and so on, or less at least. Um, so I expect him to slowly come back into the team. Hopefully he doesn't get injured again. And he's, I'm sure, a great impact player. I mean, there's always a possibility he comes really back into form and, and starts playing regularly, as a maybe as a starter. But currently I don't see it happening uh, until the end of the season, especially for someone who's obviously very openly said he won't extend his contract uh, as much as he's wanted the club his his you know boyhood club to to get money for his transfer, so if he's going to make good appearances from the bench, so be it. Um, I'd rather have good depth as much as we're not playing Europe or anything, but we still until tomorrow, or whenever this episode comes out, um, have the cup to to play, and and at some point in the season we'll have several league on games in the week and we'll need players like him to, to come in and maybe even start. So um, he, he's, he's got to step up and, and start playing regularly. Um, and I'm sure we'll get uh, Nicholas's thoughts on, on the new signings, but I think the Twitter community, which is never very kind to, to new players, has already turned on Sar, and I think that's a really, really harsh. Um, I, had, uh, I had a good battle with with some person yesterday about how yes, there are good strikers coming out of the Netherlands sometimes and that not all strikers in the Redivisie are League 2 levels. Um, 
So, you know, the likes of Suarez and Van Basten have obviously never existed. So I'm not saying, I mean, Suarez obviously Van Basten's level and we won't get a Ballon d'Or with OL, but um, let's just give him more than 40 minutes of games to decide whether he's going to be a good or, or not signing. Um, he signed on for a lengthy contract, so he's got time to, to improve and he's not playing in this position anyway. So um, I think until we see him properly start to centre forward, maybe this week, you know, maybe we get... Um, Lacazette and I mean Sars as starting partner up front against Lille, and um, that's a way of getting him in involved. Yeah, I think you've got to be patient with any new player coming in, as you say, judging somebody after 40 minutes playing in a new position. He has played on the left before, but it's not his natural position. Um, he prefers to play as a lone striker, sometimes with a second one playing off him or as that second striker, but even still, it's unfair to judge somebody in such a manner after 40 minutes. Obviously, he's, he nearly scored the winner against Brest. So we've got to cut him some slack, especially coming into this Leon team. It's not going to be easy for anyone. I think you could throw, I don't know, Prime Lionel Messi into this Leon team and he'd struggle to acclimatise to a surrounding where players are low on confidence and trying to rebuild the season. Um, I'm going to ask you about the signings, uh, Nicholas, but first of all, I just want to get your thoughts on the fact that Leon are unbeaten in four games now. I know, shock. Um, seven points from nine in the league through to the next round of cup. Obviously, you've got to take the opponents into account, but um, are we starting to see some signs of progression and building in results on the block now? So, um, I, I agree with um, with what Tom said about um, players sort of leaving. Um, so the players with, with the toxic aura around them leaving the club, I think that that was helpful. Even the fact that you didn't have um, Toko playing um, seemingly by default and, and with that pressure hanging over his, his head, you know, it's easier, right? And um, although I think there must be pressure on, on, on the young players like Barcola, uh, I think that they um, don't have sort of the same pressure to perform as Tokoyakambi because they're young and, you know, we're not expecting them to, to score 10 goals in a season. Um, this dynamic is, is very positive, um, I agree, and I think it's promising. Um, I like, for example, what Lovren has brought to the team. Someone wrote on Twitter that Lovren is the kind of signing that we wanted Boateng to be, which is to say that he is experienced, but he's not just playing for Lyon because he's experienced. Like He's not finished, as we've been able to see. I didn't like his, his first game um, with us, but he is bringing a certain serenity to our defence that we didn't have before. And I think his leadership and experience will benefit um, Giovanni and, and Lukeba. Um, so starting from the back, was, that was our, our problem, right? Starting um, at the back. Keeping these clean sheets um, two in, in a row against Ayacho and, and Brest, and even against Ra, we were relatively um, untroubled, even in counter-attacks, is, is great. Because, as we've seen, we've also struggled to score goals, especially against Brest. Um, there are still problems, obviously, in the team. Um, one thing that I don't understand is our insistence and Peter Bosch's and Oren Blanc's insistence on signing a number six. I think that what we need is a number eight. Um, I'm still not a fan of Lefanant and Kake sort of driving into the box. It's being used to great effect, and that's one of the things that I like most about um, about the past few games. 
we are seeing finally some intent. Players are playing in their best positions. Um, we are seeing Rafael and Antakke driving more into the box, which is great. Overloading the box is great, especially since we don't have creative players. We need to create actions, um, opportunities in some other way. But I think that for the roles that they are playing, we could find better profiles. And I think that Mohamed Araush, for example, would, would fit in much, much better. Um, up front, still some trouble, but that is mostly due to the fact that we're not creating enough chances. Um, I'm very positive, though, um, from what we've seen. If Blanc, and I think that he that, that is going to happen, if Blanc stays um, next season, it's important to start building the foundation with these players, most of whom will be still um, at the club next season. It's important that we start building this foundation now for next season. Yeah, brilliant point. I agree with everything you've said there in terms of keeping a succession of players at the club starting to build for next season because besides the cup, I think we're all pretty much in agreement that this season is over in terms of where the aspirations were at the start of the season. European football is still slim, very slim, but who knows what could happen. Um, you mentioned there in terms of the forward areas, obviously Tom mentioned, I mean, Saar. What are your thoughts on that transfer and the transfer window as a whole? Um, so, again, um, I, I don't think that was handled very well. Um, I like that we signed Lovren um, very early, and I think that's something that we should be doing every time. But we didn't. Um, even Jeffinho and Sar, who, who seem to have targeted um, for some time, we left it till very late. And regardless of what the club said that Dexter wanted, well, Gomez sort of remained hung up on him and then didn't have time to sign other players. I don't quite believe that excuse. Um, you know, a club like Lyon should have multiple targets. It shouldn't just fixate on one player and then um, sort of cross fingers that, that they do actually sign for us. Um, it's difficult and I think it's also unfair to comment on, on individual players so far, apart from Lovren, has been very promising. Um, Sar, as, as as Tom said before, he, has, he hasn't been great, right? But he has also only played uh, a few tens of minutes. I don't think he's even played 90 minutes in all. Um, keep in mind that for a player like Sar, he hasn't even spent one whole season at any club at professional level. He was at Malmo, we're seeing his, his trajectory now. He was at Malmo, joined Mielbe. Um, then again back to Malmo, here and then, and now Lyon. Not even one full season. Considering just how little time had to, to get used to these clubs, he has been doing great. He has been on, on, on a great um, rise, and now he's at Lyon. Give him time, it's not easy to be um, playing for, for Lyon. That said, I believe in him. You know, maybe I'd be proven wrong, but I think that he is the, the sort of profile that. We needed in in the last uh, the last time that I was on this podcast, I said that we needed a winger that could run behind the defenses. I don't know if Jeffinho is that sort of, of player, but Sar can be a great complement to Lacazette. We know that Lacazette doesn't have the pace, but he combines well with other forwards, and we also know that Sar has a great physical presence and that he has the pace. So I think that once he gets used to playing with Lacazette. Similarly to Barcola, we start seeing him getting more opportunities to score. Yeah, good summary on Amin Sar. I think you're right. Judging, hold, holding judgment. 
and being reserved in our assessments is key early on, as you say. Jeffinho, we discussed last week, is he the sort of profile of player that we need? Possibly not, and again, the failure to hold up our initial targets and go for them straight away. And, you know, we discussed the the element of Shiru being stuck in Brazil for a week trying to convince Jao Gomez when in the first conversation he said he didn't want to come to the club. That was a complete waste of time. Um, something you said in your last point, Nicholas, which I want to get your thoughts on, Tom, is Nicholas said he would have preferred an eight to be targeted rather than a six. Um, what are your thoughts on that? Would you have been in the same boat or would you want to get more understanding from Nicholas? What are your thoughts on that, I guess, topic of discussion? Um, I, I guess it's it's probably an understanding of where the, the current squad is. A six in the sense of recruitment would have been an upgrade on what we have. So, Chaco Mendes or maybe Le Penant to a certain extent. Um, Kakrae can play as a sole six, but I guess he could. Um, at eight, I, I guess, would have been a question of we don't rely that much on um, Tuliso's attacking output or our output as a whole. Um, so yeah, maybe if we had, I mean, in, in our thread of, of transfer targets, I put, uh, Bronco van den Boomen, who scored against Paris this week. That's typically the type of player that upgrades directly your squad. Um, I think there's, there's no doubt about it. If we had, this is not a dig to Lupinol, but, you know, we, we said from the start of the season that he shouldn't, shouldn't be starting week in, week out. But if we had... Kakre, I mean, he's definitely not been the worst player, um, and if uh, he's shown that he could start, so let's say between a Kakre and a Lupinon next to Toliso, and then the third in the midfield three would have been an attacking eight, who, for the life of me, has actually good qualities on set pieces, um, which we truly, truly, truly miss. Um, so yeah, I mean, I did put in in the thread uh, an act in, in that. Attacking, gonna get there. Attacking eight, um, which, yeah, I, I guess it was maybe not the priority, um, which I still believed was a left attacking player, and I guess we, we got somewhat of that with Jafinho. But um, yeah, if we had to choose, then maybe yeah, I, I didn't think about it that way. Uh, but uh, I'd be interested to see why you thought that a Nate was maybe a priority, Nicholas. Um, I thought that an eight would be a priority over a number six because um, remember early in the season Tolisso said that he prefers to, to now now that he's back he prefers to play a more defensive role in front of the defense sure. and he's not bad even even in the past few games in Ligue 1 and we're seeing Kake and Lepanon baking into the box but Tolisso always stays back um, I don't personally see Kake as a number six because I don't think that um, he has a sort of presence that you need there. Um, whereas I imagine a number eight, similar to our in his prime sort of when a few years ago or during the Champions League, right? Um, is someone who can run into the box and sort of have an, a better idea of, of what to do where the other players are. Um, one thing that has stuck with me in the past few games was how um, would always um, Lepinant or Kakere would be combining with either Cherokee or Taliafico maybe, um, and breaking into the box and then trying to cut back. 
I think that had we had someone who maybe could shoot better, had better creativity, had better passing and vision, um, we could have created more chances there. Because um, I don't think, apart from Barcola's goal, I don't think that that we created um, anything, especially considering the number of, of such scenarios that we had in those games. Yeah, I think you make a good point in terms of the need for an eight. I mean, in my mind, as someone who's always been a big advocate of Awar, I would have expected if the right formation allowed for it, he would be able to play that role. But obviously, moving forward, he's not going to be at the club. Looks like he's going to leave on a free transfer. So I think that's somewhere that will need to be targeted as well as a six in the summer if the club's got its priorities straight, which with Leon they never do. But reinforcing midfield is something that is necessary and that's a reliable option number six which the last two managers have both wanted um, in Bosch and currently Blanc and also someone who's a bit more creative and direct in midfield obviously Shirky's playing the 10 role at the moment but someone else in midfield as you say Tom with set piece ability that can drive a rival in the box um, and find that defence splitting pass which at present I don't think we have a large amount of Kakari and Talito can do it to an extent, but it's not the strong point of their game. So, yeah, I agree. And the man responsible for that leads nicely onto the next section, which looks like it will be Bruno Shiru. Obviously, we're not um, fanboys of Bruno Shiru all on this podcast. If you're regular listeners, you'll be aware of our thoughts on him. Um, but Jean-Michel Olas is the complete opposite. Big fan of his thinks he's done a brilliant job, um, especially in this transfer window, which he described as difficult. He's going to be sporting director, lads. Where do we start? I'll come to you first, Tom. Honestly, I mean, it's like if you, I don't know, you're at university and they ask you, you've got this and this essay to, to hand in and you've got this project, group project you got to do with your friends. So your friends handle up on Saturday afternoon and say, okay, well, Let's have some random team playing in the background and let's try and do this stupid management project and hand in something that we've blown out our ass um, in 20 minutes. And in that group, you've got obviously Shiru. Um, you've got Ponso. Shiru's obviously not physically there. He's in Brazil on Zoom. And uh, Ponso is sort of there. He's got two or three mates. Um helping him out with management. And then Olaf is like, yeah, everything is fine. Uh, I'm not going to help the group project, but you do you. Uh, and then text at the back is just slightly worried because he's actually you know, involved in this project, but he can't physically be there. He's just hoping his mates are going to pull through. Um, in the end, they hand in something below par, um, get something like a, a 40%, uh, just, just about average, keeps you in, in, in the league, keeps you in the good books of some of the the, the league and the, the teachers, but no one else likes you. Like, none of the class likes you. Uh, no one who's read your work thinks it's interesting. If anything, everyone hates your work because it's just awful. And that's what Shiro's been doing for three years. I mean, before he had more friends, let's, let's put it that way. He had Rudy Garcia on his side as well. So, you know, things are getting slightly better. Um so yeah, you just get promoted for doing shitty work for three years. And I wish I could be that kind of employee. Like, just look at yourself, know that you've not done anything for years and still get promoted. I mean, what kind of 
company is this? Oh, La Piclionet? Yes, of course it is, because that's the only place that would happen. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's a terrible analogy, but I think it kind of works to, to the idea that she'll with us fuck all most of the year. <laughs> it doesn't, I mean, the thing is, so you sort of imagine, obviously, Toulouse have done all their data thing with Redbird and so on. And yes, they're doing active data analysis and they're, they're being intelligent about the recruitment. I don't think it's quite worked out yet for them in, in the current Liga statement, but ultimately they brought the club back up after being awful. Um, if anything, you could spend 20 minutes on Twitter, maybe on Mickey's account on, on Twitter and say, oh, this looks like an interesting player. I'm not saying you ask Mickey to do the recruitment because we all know that Juninho tried bring him in and and actually have him, but you actually do spend a tiny bit of time on Twitter and you will find some players that are more suited to the club. And these people don't even work at the club, so you you wonder what kind of um, you know payment these guys are getting. Nothing. So um, you'd have to spend literally five or twenty minutes on Twitter every day to know that there are better solutions out there. I'm not saying that all these players would be coming in. I mean, some people are scouting some r- random guy from Kazakhstan. I don't know. Um, and that maybe the guy doesn't want to leave his country or um, they want a very, very good player in the Premier League who's got five times the wage bill that you want to bring in. So maybe that's not possible. At least you have ideas. It just feels like texters put a random idea in Shiru's project and said, you should investigate this thing called Jao Gomez. We all know that he's not going to want to come, but try anyway and act as if you're actually in Brazil. You know, take a few selfies, show that you're tanning, uh, and that's going to supposedly prove that we can upgrade you at the end of the season because, you know, a good tan is always helpful in Lyon. Um, so I'm a bit peeved and annoyed that this guy is getting an upgrade, but we, we've known how the club has been run for the last three to five years. Um, obviously, someone's done a really good analysis about how um, Jafinho never thought about Juninho as one of the key players in the great OL era because he's like Voldemort. He's who you should not mention anymore. Um, and I think th- this whole backlash against the previous management is terrible. But, um, you know, now it's all buddies and we're going to do a great management project and hand in something below par. And we'll stay up in the league. You know, hopefully we stay in Liga next year. That's the objective that OL should be aiming for. That's the kind of analogy of someone who's not just peeved but stays up all the I, I put peeved, but yes, I am pissed. <laughs> if you want yeah, to know I mean, you said fuck shit and something else in that in that <laughs> analogy, and then ended off with peeved. Interesting analogy. I don't know where to start from your point there, but as a point, yeah, you make some brilliant points in terms of if anybody can take anything out of it, but as someone studying at university and doing a group project right now, I completely understand where you're coming from. Um, I would have gone with something a bit more simpler, dumb, dumber and dumber or something along those lines, but yeah, we got we got your point in the end. Um, going off, Tom's analogy, Nicholas, and looking at those three in management and the fact that they're trying to bring Bruno Shearer into their 
flair almost as the third part to create some sort of shit boy band or something like that. What are your what are your feelings? We're we're having a confession hour. Come on, give us give us your take on the situation. No, I, I think that Tom said everything that that we needed to say about the, the sporting side of this. Um, from the more administrative side, um, I just don't understand what the club is doing. I can understand what what Olas is doing, which is trying to um, sort of consolidate his power at the club. But I just don't understand how Texte, who spent 800 million euro of his money or someone else's money, we don't know, but how Texte could accept that Cheiru is promoted officially because to the job that he has been doing unofficially anyway, um, leading the club's sporting direction. Because um, remember, so we've signed three play, four players Lovren, who is um, pretty uninspired. Um, Jeffinho, who's coming from Texas own club, and Aminsar, three, not four, I think. Um, for Jeffinho and Aminsar, it feels like we overpaid, and Lovren, again, a very, very simple solution. And the other player that we wanted, Paul Gomez, I don't think that was, you know, Sheiru said it was his idea that he had been scouting him for more than a year, but at the press conference this week, um, Olas said that it was Texas' fault because he was intent on signing for Gomez. So I just don't understand. Especially now the defense are revolting um, and that supporter groups are finally turning on Olas and demanding uh, a change in the sporting direction, which means basically that Cheiru and Tonso must leave. It doesn't make sense to allow the club to promote him to sporting director. So I just don't understand anything at all. Um, as for Cheiru, you know, We've seen Dexter um, changing sporting directors even elsewhere. Um, Sheyu doesn't even have a CV. Um, that's worth looking at. Uh, he was fired from PSG's women's team because he just didn't do anything. He came to Lyon. Um, shortly after that, um, Juninho also joined and he sent him packing somewhere where he couldn't do much harm. And now, because no one else is left, Sheyu is seemingly by default leading the sporting direction. And one of the problems that I see, so now I'm heading back to sporting direction, is the fact that that, that doesn't seem to be much direction. Um, consider, for example, how we moved from Bosch to Laurent Blanc. Um, Bosch was someone who played um, young players. Blanc does that too, but he's much more reluctant, even in the statement he gives out. He seems very passive-aggressive. He's saying, is it? We are going to give young players more chance because we didn't buy the one or two players that I wanted. Um, so there is this complete shift from the academy and OLDNA to someone who is only playing young players um, reluctantly. And yeah, what, what is the direction? Right? Um, do we need a number six? Yes or no? Did Blanc want him? Yes or no? If Blanc wanted him. Did it make sense? Because the point of sporting direction isn't just to let the coach and uh, sort of dictate what he wants, but to have an idea of where you want to, to go. You choose a coach that subscribes to that ideology and then hopefully results will follow. Now we're hearing that Blanc isn't just a coach, but he's a coach manager. There's this whole problem in the sporting direction. And I think Sheiru is 
the one person that is going to take the blame. I think it's also uh, a much bigger issue than that. Yeah, when you've no one who knows what their titles are, what their roles are, you've got all that same one thing in the media and then Blanc trying to do something else, it all creates a load of problems and it just creates a cesspit of mismanagement, lack of vision, lack of strategy, lack of idea, lack of talent identification, lack of responsibility, etc., etc. You can continue to go on. Um Something that Nicholas mentioned there, Tom, was the element of Texter in everything and how he's moving forwards with the club. Obviously, you've seen his involvement at Crystal Palace, trying to create a similar, not similar to City Group. City Group is the one that stands out, but, you know, Eagle Football is a conglomerate of own football clubs linking in with each other with Mullenberg and Botafogo as well. What do you... How do you see that working in this scenario where Olas is continuing to be his normal self and evidently from what the millions of fans who support Leon can see, that it's the wrong decision in pointing Shiru as sporting director? Do you think he can step in and make that change or do you think he's just got to let this early role of leader he's given to Olas in the early stages of him owning the club, sit by and accept it. And then when Olas eventually retires, as he does because he's in his 70s, um, he can take a more of a stronger role and enforce his view into the club. Um, I think there's two sides of it because there's possibly... I don't know about the contract he signed with, with Olas, but seemingly other than just saying verbally that he wants to leave Olas three years in charge it seems like it might be written in the contract I don't see him taking over before that and therefore impeding directly on the on decisions obviously he's already the Jafino signing for example was solely him let's be honest um, so he's already had an impact but I think I can't remember if he said this exactly but I feel like whether it's in his opening press conference back in June or even the recent one where it was officially signed that he wouldn't have a hands-on approach just yet. Um, it seems that reports have widely discussed the fact that he doesn't particularly like uh, Shiru, so that would surprise me if he was upgraded uh, under the... if like if Texter had a strong hold on the, on the club um, other than financially. So... I think he's he's just letting it be for now. He's helping as much as he can, but doesn't want to put his foot down too much. Otherwise, if he starts getting a bit too involved, then Olas might be like, "Well, you know, get out the way. Um, this is my club." I seriously doubt that if Texter is getting too involved, that Olas would say, "Okay, well, I'll fuck off." Then you know, it's 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 very much not Olas's style um, to to let go of that kind of thing. Um, so no, I think there'll be there'll be definitely in the future that notion of several of multi club ownership, um, with the fact that he that Texto is not a main, um, you know, contributor or financial um, holder of Crystal Palace. He's only got forty percent. Um, technically, OL is the bigger club in his, you know, in the Eagle Group. Um, which I don't 
think it means that we'll become the new Manchester City where Manchester City sign 50 players, send them to Girona and uh, New York City FC and all that stuff, and then end up with Julian Alvarez and uh, at the front of Lowell's attack anytime soon. But there is maybe that notion that we they, he wants to have OL as the main compartment, as the main objective. Like he, I don't see him sending, I don't know, who's our key player these days? Shirky, let's say. Shirky, I don't see him sending him to Crystal Palace anytime soon. I don't think that's part of the plan. Um, if there was a really, really good player at Molenbeek, then maybe he would come to OL, as we've seen with Jeffinho. Um but I don't see it going elsewhere than OL in the Eagle group. Uh, like, there might be a relationship with Crystal Palace. You know, you've seen it with Anderson, for example. But I don't see, firstly, Olise coming to OL or Lukeba going to Crystal Palace. Uh, let's put it that way. So, for now, I think we're okay uh, as an OL. I'm I'm shared on, on multi-club ownership. I think it's... It's a new modern way, and I think it's going to become more current, and and it's going to be a case everywhere. So we can't really avoid it. Uh, I'm just not a huge fan of let's put lower fees and steal players from the lower sides. I'm thinking to um, most of the Leipzig side that's picked up everyone from Salzburg, for example. So we'll see how it develops. Maybe there's a chance that uh, Texas takes over another club um, in the UK, for example, or that he improves his shares at Crystal Palace and that OL becomes a feeder club. But I think for now, we're more or less safe. As much as OL is somewhat a, a feeder club already. Yeah, the the day that comes where Leon is officially recognised as a feeder club in the same way that Trois and Hilona are to Manchester City will be, a, will be a painful day. But as you say, in terms of being a selling club, which has always been to the top clubs, it's it's nothing new. Um, in terms of where we move forward from here, then Nicholas, do you want Texter to come in and say, "Look, Shiru is not qualified for the way we want to lead this forward," and dismiss all his services, or are you of the opinion that Ola should be allowed his three-year reign? Well, uh, this is again part of of what I just don't understand about Texter. Um, he spent so much money on, on Leon. It only makes sense that Leon will be the flagship club of, of Eagle. But how would how does it make sense to let text let Sheiru, sorry um sort of lead the sporting direction, especially if some cracks are already appearing according to, to French media. Um about direction uh, it's difficult. Um, to to predict anything personally, I would obviously prefer if if Texter um, fired or us, but I don't think that is going to happen. Um, the contract says that he gets ten million euro. You know, he's getting ten million euro. Um, that, that's a lot of money. That's a lot of money, um, especially if Texter isn't as as rich as we thought that he would be. So we would need to, to see it as as a huge investment. How well it depends. I think that the Upcoming protest before the game against Milan um, this weekend um, could maybe get some things moving. Um, if he sees, if Texas starts seeing the stands emptying, which the supporter groups don't want to do, but if that somehow starts to happen, and if he starts seeing more toxicity 
and surrounding the club, if results don't follow, then I think that um, Texter will have to sort of do something. Now, I don't think that it will get to the point where Texter will fire us, but I do think that he could um, sort of stamp his foot elsewhere, perhaps by forcing the club to um, to choose a different sporting director, perhaps by changing the board members, which is something that has already started, sort of at Eagle, um, we're seeing much more diversity there. There's also one other option, um, or other two options, um, either that Olas leaves because the pressure from fans grows too much, but we're not seeing that sort of thing so far. In the last statement, the bad gone and the 1950s seem to, to focus a little bit more on Olas, but they keep always stopping short of asking for his resignation. But if he's targeted, um, if he's targeted more, and maybe, um, you know, Olas's ego cannot take it, then maybe he could resign. But I don't think, again, that is something that is going to happen, or at least I don't think it's likely. And the second thing that could happen is that Olas takes over a position at the FFF. We know that he's interested in um, leading the, the women's division. I think that he could do um, a good job there. Um, if that position does open up and there's a lot going on at the FFF right now, I think he, I could see Olas resigning from, from OF. Interesting. Yeah, obviously there's lots of pressure in the um, French Federation football at the moment, obviously with Noel Legret and all everything that's going on with him and his accusations of sexual abuse and everything else. But in terms of Olas being intrinsic in French football, that's not something I'd consider. But again, I could certainly see that happening. Um, in terms of other appointments, then, Tom, obviously, we've seen former players being roles of the past, most recently, Juninho. This week, it's been discussed that Sonny Anderson could possibly return to the club as a sporting advisor involved in where he would fit in. Not so sure that's as vague as it's gotten, that if he's not interested, former midfielder and Nilsson would be the second option to the role. Um, what are your thoughts on the process of bringing former players back in to the club who possibly understand the viewpoint of the fans a little bit more and you know what sort of impact do you think they could have if, have if they do choose to appoint one of those as a sporting advisor, let's call it? Um, I think you can use, for example, the uh, the Ajax example uh, as, a, as a good ambivalent side. So Ajax, over the last 10 years... Uh, even historically, I've already always brought back old players or even old managers. I mean, Luis van der Haal, for example, has come back a few times. And Johan Cruyff. And recently, we have now Edwin van der Sar, CEO. Uh, we've had Roy McKay. Um, lots of, I mean, John Hentinger is, is the manager now. So in that sense, um, old managers and old players usually work in that kind of structure. You know, Ajax have such a, a strong culture at the club that it's important to have ex-players keep on that going. But in the case of OL, you know, even Ed Milson and Sonny Anderson, as much as they've both played at the club, uh, neither come through the ranks uh, as academy talent. Um, yes, yeah, sure, they do understand the club and they've stayed short while. I mean, Sonny Anderson was there for three or four years and Milson more or less at the same time. Um, I don't see that, you know, when I saw Juninho coming in, obviously he had no experience, um, although I think he was still, he was possibly getting his badges at the time uh, for coaching. But either way, 
um, he's been at the club for for eight years or nine years, and um, he understood the club through and through. Uh, he was club captain, uh, had been there for, for nearly a decade, and saw it completely change. So, in terms of taking players, uh, old players or people with no experience. I think we've trialed that. I'm not saying Juninho is responsible whatsoever for the situation, but we can all agree that it wasn't the best of experiences, even taking out the whole negative side of it, uh, of his relationship with Garcia, with Olas, and so on. So um, bringing in more inexperienced people into the structure, I don't think is the right solution. Uh, I see Sonny Anderson on TV in France every weekend and doesn't strike me as someone who fully grasps football modern football uh and doesn't come across as like the most ingenious person in in the in the game at the moment uh i can't say i've seen much of what ed melson has done since the end of his career um but again if he has no experience and has not passed any badges i don't really see the point um you know out of the old players that we had if we could bring in uh we've seen coupe for example be a goalkeeping coach didn't work out great I wouldn't bring in um, Sidney Govu, for example. I mean, as he's also on French TV every weekend, doesn't strike me as someone who's particularly knowledgeable. Um, so maybe someone like Abidal, as much as he's, he's come through lots of issues at Barcelona and has got court cases against him, but that kind of player who feels more rested, understands more the club and understands more where football is going these days rather than people with no experience and just want to be flown into because, you know, Sonny Anderson is a legend at the club. And I think, unfortunately, when you look at Juninho's experience at the club coming back, it's not worked out well. And his, not in our eyes, but in certain fans' eyes, his reputation and his legacy has been tarnished. And I wouldn't wish that on any other player at OL, particularly people like Sonny Anderson, who brought us the first title. So... I'd be more against it, and I hope that the club moves forwards and bring someone young um, into management. Um, you know, seeing like Will still working really well at the Haas, and there's other really good managers out there, or people at higher up at board level who are young, dynamic, and understand new football and modern football, and that's what we're lacking at the moment. Let's not bring in people who understood it from 20 years ago. Let's bring in people who understand it now. And can understand it in the future because that's why we're lacking at the moment because we can't progress. Yeah, I agree with what you said there. I think with Juninho again, I think he needs to be taken with some pinch of salt in terms of his relationship with the manager and obviously the last as well towards the end of his time. That's what forced him to leave. He was never forced out the door. He left on his own accord, but I think he left for his own reasons. Um, this hasn't worked well in the past. Appointing somebody who's not qualified for a role like that or has no prior experience is always going to be a risk. Yes, you can take the fact that Sonny Anderson is a club legend, the same with N. Milson, but it doesn't mean they're going to be able to get the right input into what currently is a team that massively lacks sporting direction and take them forward. Um, Nicholas, I'm going to quote one of your tweets here in terms of your thoughts on the situation. If you want to elaborate on that, you've said, all oh, ask up Juninho as sporting director to appease the fans because he's a club legend and then blamed everything on him. All oh, our solution, 
get Sonny Anderson or Eddie Nielsen to appease the fans because they are club legends, what could go wrong? Is that the way you see disappointment? It's a, an attempt from Olas to get the fans back on his side? Yeah, I think so. Um, especially the timing is suspect. He says that um, we're getting... Um, Olas says that we're getting Sonny um, because since we had Julier, um since Insulia passed away, we haven't had a, a, an advisor. Um, so why now? Um, the timing does seem seem a little bit iffy. Um, the reason why I, I said that is that um, sort of more generally, not just appeasing the fans, but because as Tom said, his appointment doesn't make sense. If you're getting an advisor, you don't get someone who is just starting his post-playing career. You get someone like Julier who has a huge network, right? That is one of the things that the club is missing. So an advisor would make sense if the club doesn't want to invest in a proper scouting cell. Um, but Sonny doesn't represent that. He's only had one experience before as a sporting director at Neuchâtel, and he was only there for one month. He was appointed um, in June, I think it was 2011 or 2012, and then he was fired in July of that same year. So he only lasted... Um, one month, not even one whole transfer window, just two games in the league, and then he was fired. I think that says much more about the owner, who was far too rash, in my opinion, than it says about Sonny Anderson, but it does sort of show just how little experience Sonny Anderson has, had the, um, has in whatever this new role is going to be. Um, personally, I just don't see any other reason why the club would appoint um, Sonny Anderson. He's not someone who has a lot of influence as, as an advisor. I mean, he's not going to get us Memphis like Julia did. Um, <clears throat> so, what other reasons could there possibly be? It's either to appease the fans or just a way for Olas to further consolidate his power. But he's not the boss anymore, even though he's president, he's not the owner. So, consolidating his power with the higher ups isn't going to work. Yeah, if it is a ploy, which there's reasonable cause to think it is, is it the right approach to take? I'm not of the opinion it is. I think I'm very similar in the same thought as you, that if this is his attempt after so much criticism from Leon's two leading fan groups, Bad Guns and uh, Leon 1950, that doing something like this is just another showcased example of the same incompetence that has got him into the situation he has. The Juninho example is case in point that bringing former players back to the club, I mean, there's loads of examples as well, whether it be in management or sporting directors, isn't always the way to go. And obviously, Juninho is the most prevalent example of a Leon player or the epitome of an outsider coming into Leon and embracing it as his own. And that failed miserably. So trying to repeat that with someone else isn't going to change his situation. And I think it's just a case of time that things are going coming to the end for Olas and he knows that and this is the last grab to try and pull back some weight or some time on the side of the fans. Um, before we wrap things up, obviously we've got the game tomorrow night. When this episode comes out, I'm not 100% sure, but that's in the Coupe de France against Lille. Do you think we'll progress, Tom? Um, it's, uh, it's Well, I mean, Lille is always a very difficult um, game. Um, I do remember that since great hour goal recently, and I think it was also in the cup uh, from two or three years ago. 
so that's probably the last time that was a really great result. Uh, I feel like we beat Lille last year for the first time in like 10 years. Uh, that was also a positive. But I watched them on Sunday night against Ren turn things around. And, you know, I'm a big fan of Fonseca for many years. And I feel like he's done something really, really good with um, the the midfield, notably, you know, the Andre Gomez uh, and Angel Gomez and all that. Gomez and Andres all around. Um, so, yeah, it'll be it'll be a really good game. Uh, I, you know, we we got to try because it might be our only chance to get into Europe. Um, obviously, there's always the, the element of PSG um, in the way, but one of PSG or Marseille going out tomorrow night. So that always always gives us a better chance of winning it. Uh, so. Let's give it a go. Uh, I'm I'm going to go for penalties uh, to OL. Um, I feel we don't have extra time, I think, in the Coupe de France. Um, we don't, no. No, not anymore. So it might go straight to penalties. So I think as much as OL are terrible at them, uh, I think we, we might have a chance this time around. The positivity continues to flow. Yeah, interesting. Um, as you say, it's one of Lyon's more difficult teams. And I think you raise the point of the fact that Lyon are playing Lille as well. You also take another contender for the competition out if you do progress as well. So hopefully that's the same. I'm going to come to you, Nicholas. You give us your thoughts before we start recording. So uh, what makes you think Lyon are going to go through? Um, I think that there's um, sort of a very new sense of urgency at the club um, for two reasons. First, um, you know, the fans. Um, who have already planned the protest um, for a Sunday. And I think that the players know that the fans are right about certain things. Um, there's also this positive dynamic um, leading to this game. And it would, I think that it would be, um, I think that the players know that if they lose now, the dynamic sort of has to start over again. So I think that that should be enough to get us over the line. The second thing is that the players also have the sense of urgency because Qualifying to Europe um, through the league is very, very difficult. Whereas we know that the Coupe de France is the shortest route to um, to to Europe. So um, you know, if they want to make amends, they have to win this game. And I think that finally this time um, the pressure is going to be helpful. But I don't think that's going to to go to penalties. I don't trust Lopez um, um, saving anything. Um, so I think that if we win, we have to win during regular time. Interesting. Um, I'm going to make it a hat trick. I think we'll go through as well. Um, I echo the points you've made there, Nicholas. And again, yourself, Tom, I don't want to see this go to penalties. I think if it does go to penalties, we'll be suffering an exit. Uh, they need to win if we're going to qualify for European football because it feels like climbing Mount Everest if they are going to get into European football this season. Through the league, that is anyway. Um, I'm going to go 2-1 winning stoppage time and a Namin goal hopefully as well um, thanks as always for listening thanks for Nicholas for joining us this week as the guest brilliant as always uh, be sure to check out his socials and again all that good stuff leaving his reviews keep sharing the podcast we appreciate all the support and we'll catch you on the next one cheers guys bye <laughs>